God is doing some amazing stuff in our midst. And one of the reasons we continually talk about giving and going and being the hands and feet of Jesus is because part of who we are at New Life Fellowship is we exist to help people encounter Jesus. How many of you know that's an amazing responsibility to get to be a part of? And uh, what, what I understand, if I met Pam one time and never encountered her again, would I have much of a marriage or a relationship? Come on, that is part of why we talk about encountering Jesus. Yes, we love to help people meet Jesus for the first time. When the, when the light goes on and they realize, man, Jesus is the, the answer. He's going to change my life. He, tra- he saved me. That's an amazing thing to get to be a part of and to see people come to know him. But how many of you know Jesus loves to encounter us ongoing every day in our lives? It's an amazing journey, just like we've grown because in our, in our marriage we encounter each other every day and we grow and the relationship gets deeper and the love gets deeper. That's what happens happens with Jesus. When we are his hands and feet, when we go out and help people encounter him, that relationship just gets deeper and deeper and it continues to grow. So that's why we talk about uh, helping people encounter Jesus. And I believe that, that he really will supernaturally directly reveal himself to people. I hear story after story, people around the world having dreams and visions of seeing Jesus and realizing he's God's son and he's the only way. He really will and can do that. He can appear directly supernaturally to people, but one of the primary ways, one of the most common ways that people encounter Jesus is through his body. The same way, the same way that when Jesus walked on the earth 2,000 years ago and went from town to town and ministered to people, it was like, oh, there he is. That's what happens when the body of Christ goes out into the world. People should be saying, oh, there he is. And the same things that Jesus did when he walked on the earth should still be happening through our ministry. 1 Corinthians 12 reminds us of this. It says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a part. Man, that was you're a part. Look, look at somebody else and and let them know you're glad that they're say you're a part. You are a part of the body of Christ. Your identity is something bigger than just who you are by yourself. You're no longer just Steve or just Tim or just Carol. You are part of the body of Christ. You have something that goes beyond who you are by yourself. Isn't that an amazing thing to get to be? Just like your body expresses who you really are. Come on, where where is the real you? Is the real you the one that, you know, you look in the mirror and you see the body, like good, bad, and the ugly, all the, there it is. Is that the real you? No, the real you is your, your soul, your mind, and your spirit. It's who you are on the inside, and your body just helps you communicate to people who you really are. When they encounter your body, they're actually encountering you because you're living through your body. And that is the same thing that Jesus does. When we go out into the world, He is living through His body, and people are encountering Him through what we do and say every day. He reveals Himself to the world through the church. And the miraculous thing to me is that it was his idea. He chose to do it. This wasn't just a, a think tank of the early apostles got together and said, well, what would be the best way to show Jesus to the world? It was God's idea to say, I'm going to reveal myself to the world through my people. And I don't know if I would have done it that way, but he chose to do it in spite of some of the people that he knew would be involved along the way. Come on, how many of you have ever wondered, like, oh my gosh, that person's part of the body? I'm actually their brother and sister. Come on, everybody that is in the body, he chose to reveal himself to the world, even through the imperfect people, the the fire and brimstone people, that they're up there preaching, God's mad at you and he's going to smite you. 
the, the televangelist with the perfect hair that, that makes you wonder, you know, if I, is anything really going to happen if I put my hand on that TV or send my money to them? The, the inflexible and the dogmatic people, all of us with our imperfections and our quirks, he chose to reveal himself to the world through his body in spite of everybody that he knew would be involved in it. What a responsibility we have. What a thing to get up for in the morning. And I believe that we should be praying to present him well to the world. If, if you have had a bad experience in your church history where imperfect people hurt you, because I know Jesus didn't hurt you, but if you've had a bad experience, I'm sorry for that. I know that we're all growing. Ephesians talks about we are the body is actually growing up into the head. We are growing to attain the full stature and the measure of Christ. But we are growing. And there are things along the way that because it's people, that that doesn't always come out right, but God chose to do it. An amazing plan that he did. And whether or not, whether or not we think it's a good idea or not, we are the A-team. There there is no plan B. There's no other way that Jesus says, hey, I'm going to, that's not working out so well for me. People aren't getting the right idea of who I am. I'm going to do it some other way. You're the A-team. You are the plan. And whether we think it's a good idea or not, the church is how God is revealing himself to the world and helping people get an idea of what he's like. Take it. You can take it even more personal. Whether you think it's a good idea or not, you and I are the way that God chose to reveal himself to the world and to help people get an idea of what he's really like. And last week we talked about helping people encounter Jesus by us being his hands and feet. That's a very real, tangible part of the body that we can think about. I'm going to bring relief to you. I have hands and feet. They can work. I'm going to go. I'm going to help you. And today I want to talk about another way that we are the body of Christ, that we are still helping people encounter him. We are his mouthpiece to the world. Did you ever think about that? We are the mouthpiece of God to the world. When we speak, it helps people see who Jesus is. This is a mouthpiece. Our, our grandson Jackson started playing the trumpet this year for school. Praise God. So, so we've been blessed with some practice sessions and some mouthpieces. He's, he's been walking around his house in the neighborhood very loudly. Come on, did you ever have a kid that was trying to get ready to play the trumpet in school? He's been walking around their house making those noises. The, the, the noises that you usually tell your little boys, stop that. You know, don't. Because he wants to be able to use the mouthpiece. And as, as I was thinking about it, do you know, it's Jackson, it's the wind that comes out of Jackson's mouth that actually makes noise. But it is the, it is the mouthpiece. The mouthpiece produces the message. The wind stirs it, but the mouthpiece is what makes people hear it. It's very similar to what Jesus does for us. It is his wind. It is his spirit that empowers us. But it's our mouth that opens and tells people and lets them hear his voice. And I was was thinking about this mouthpiece. Have you you ever wanted to go talk to somebody about the Lord or just share something that you think God's doing and saying and you're nervous about it and you're wondering, how's it going to come out? And I don't, I'm praying, Lord, help me say the right thing. And then you go talk to them and you feel like... Wait, wait, come back. Has anybody else ever felt like that? It's like, I want to be used by Jesus. I want to be his voice, but I'm not sure how it's going to come out. I'm not sure how it's going to sound. We, we had our first concert. Jack came over the house with his trumpet. He gets up and he says, yeah. he's like, 
I played a C. That was a C. I did it. Come on. It's, you gotta start somewhere. Sometimes it's all we can do to say, hey, I'm gonna just open my mouth and I don't know what's gonna come out. I'm gonna make some noise and I'm gonna release what Jesus is saying. And that's what we need to do because we are His mouthpiece to the world. Start somewhere. Open your mouth. You, you can't say anything so bad that Jesus can't fix it. Come on. Thank you. I take comfort in that every Sunday morning when I come talk to you guys. Lord, I know that you can fix whatever I say that's not exactly right, that you are the one that can make it all. You are the teacher. You're the real comforter. You can help whatever I mess up. But I'm willing. I'm willing to be this, to be used by the master to make some noise. And however that comes out, I'm going to let him keep playing through me. The more we practice, the better it sounds. I'm, I, I had no illusions that Jack was going to come to our house and pick up the trumpet and be like a concert trumpet player his first time he ever touched the instrument. But I know if he practices, it's going to sound better and better and better. And that's exactly where we need to start. Just, just say something. Say anything. Open your mouth and let him speak. And you'll see what happens. You'll see that you can get better at it. And, and I want to use the mouthpiece example to, to demystify a word that kind of gets a bad rap sometimes in churches. I want to talk about the word prophecy today. And when you think of prophecy, what, how many of you are familiar with that term? All right, like 90% of the people in the room. How many of you, if, if you asked somebody, friend, neighbor who was not churched what they thought of prophecy, would they understand or no? It is one of those words that like you get all kinds of different reactions. You don't understand it all the time. But prophecy is a gift. Scripture describes prophecy as a gift from God that we are to receive because it helps us to understand who he is and to hear his voice. And and we it's not just smart teaching. It's not just polished public speaking. It is actually empowered by the Holy Spirit, a message that releases something. And we here at New Life Fellowship, we believe that all of the spiritual gifts that you see in Scripture, including prophecy, are still active in the world today. That the the Holy Spirit didn't say, hey, I'm going to give these for a little while, but then I'm going to take them back and the rest of the people can't use them after a certain time in history. He still does those things today. We we have to trust him and and want to do those things. And to do that, uh, we have to believe. How many of you know you can't... uh, I think it was January. I, I preached about... Uh, I believe that the Lord was speaking to new life this year, that the word for the year was fulfilled, that he was going to take some promises and some words he had given us in the past and bring them to pass, that he was going to fulfill them this year. How many of you know you can't expect to see something fulfilled if you don't even believe he still speaks today? How, how am I going to see a word or a promise come to pass if I don't believe he's still talking to me? So we believe that he still speaks today and, and prophecy is a gift. And I wanted to talk about it, especially in, in light of we're having our friends, the Fidels, with us next week because they carry a prophetic ministry with them. Their, their role in the body of Christ and the things that they do are very prophetic in nature. So I wanted to talk about it today. This is the simplest definition of prophecy. Everybody, if if you're a note taker, get your pen ready. This is the simplest definition of prophecy. Prophecy is saying what God says. If you're waiting for something more profound than that, I'm sorry this morning. Prophecy is saying what God says. Look look at your neighbor. Look him right in the face. Look, Look him in the eye. You don't have to look at me for this one. Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. Do you know what you just did? You just prophesied. 
How do I know that? Because you just said to your neighbor something that God says. I, I read a verse in the scripture that says, for God so loved the whole world. He loved the world so much he sent Jesus. When, when you looked at your neighbor, you just said something that God says to them. You prophesied to them. We, we had Prophecy 101 class this morning and you all passed. You, you did it. Yeah. Give yourselves a hand. You, you may have walked in this morning thinking, I could never prophesy. I don't even understand that. You just did it. That proves that you can do it. You just... Come on, that may be what it sounded like to you, but you did it. God blew. God's Spirit breathed through you. And that is a great place to start because all prophecy, no matter who gives it or what it is, all prophecy has to line up with what's already written in this book. God will never, never, everybody say never. God will never prompt you to say something that doesn't line up with what's in here. He'll never prompt you to go up to your neighbor and say, God's angry and mad and wants to kill you. Like, come on, stupid examples like that. But people say stupid things in the name of God all the time. And if it doesn't line up with what you see in this book and what Jesus demonstrated, that's one of the reasons I get so upset when I see the hurricane news and hear these crazy people in the name of Jesus trying to say, oh, God's sending judgment on him. No, he's not. Because Jesus didn't do that. And the Father never would either. Prophecy will always line up with this. And then because it is a Holy Spirit-inspired gift, any type of prophecy will always honor and give glory to Jesus. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he takes from what is Jesus's and makes it known to us. He always points back to Jesus. Prophecy, legit prophecy, will never point to itself or the person or, or some other thing. It will always honor Jesus. It will always sound like, oh, I could picture Jesus saying that to his disciples and the people he was hanging out with. That's what prophecy sounds like. Amazingly. This is another miracle to me. The same way that, that God would decide I'm going to use my church to reveal myself to the world. This is another amazing thing about prophecy. He desires for everybody in his church to do it. I look at that and I'm like, that's not how I would set this up, God. I, I think I would, I would go back to that model where only a few trusted spokespeople spoke for you. But God, in his infinite wisdom, said, I want all of my people to say what I say. To speak my words to others. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14 says this. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. Especially the ability to prophesy. Come on. Obviously, he's, he's got things rooted in the right place. Love has to be the motivation for everything we do. If, if love is not at the core of why you're doing something, you're not going to get the right result. Come on, and I don't even, I don't care if it's sending a donation to a hurricane relief or baking cookies for your neighbor. If you're doing it out of duty and then the core isn't, I love those people and I want to help, you're not going to get the right result. Love has, it's critical that love is in there. We, we, we always read 1 Corinthians 13 at weddings, right? The love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Oh, it sounds so wonderful. Do you know that Paul wrote that chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 right in the middle of this huge discussion he was having about spiritual gifts? It started in 1 Corinthians 12. It ends in 1 Corinthians 14. But right in the middle, it's like he had this epiphany. Oh, I want you guys to be operating in these gifts. You need to do it because it builds the church. And it's the only way we can survive is have the Holy Spirit moving in us. But let me remind you, it all has to flow through love. 
Yeah, love is patient. You're using these gifts. Be patient. Oh, love is kind. You're using these gifts. You need to be kind in what you're doing. Oh, that has to be the motivation for everything. But he says, if you got your motivation right, you need to eagerly desire to use these gifts. And then he, it's, it boggles my mind. But he says, especially, like, like more than anything else you would want, any other spiritual gift on the list, you, you want to desire them all. But Paul says, especially desire to prophesy. Especially, let, let one of your highest desires in your life be, I want to say what God says. I don't want to just say what Chris says. Might might be smart, might might give you some good advice. I don't know. I would much rather say what God says in every situation. We should we should all want to use the spiritual gifts God's given us because He's given gifts to everybody. If you don't know what yours is, you should sign up for the next session of Live, the the class that we offer because we talk about spiritual gifts and what you have and where you can get plugged in. But we all should want to use spiritual gifts, but especially. To be God's mouthpiece. To say what he says to the world around us. Here's a truth this morning. And some of you really need to to grab a hold of this. God wants you to speak for him. Come on, hear hear me say that. Really take that into you. Because some of us, sometimes we struggle with our self-esteem. Or we think, oh, there's no way God would want me to do anything for him. Even behind the scenes, let alone speak for him. God wants you to speak for him. God wants you to speak for him. No matter where you are in this room, no matter what you've done, God wants you to speak for him. Well, why does he want that? What's the goal? What could he possibly want me to say to anybody? It's because the goal is this. In 1 Corinthians 14.3, it says, But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. That, that is the purpose of, of New Covenant believers, New Testament prophecy, that is the purpose, is to strengthen and to encourage and to comfort people. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people that could use some strengthening and could use some encouragement and could use some comfort in their lives. Does anybody else know somebody like that? Or are all your friends perfect? There is a reason Paul's saying eagerly desire. You all should especially want to prophesy. Why? Because the world needs some encouragement and some strengthening and some comfort. The people in the body of Christ and outside the body of Christ need some strengthening, some encouragement, and some comforting because it furthers the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Man, I wasn't feeling like I could really do that. But then somebody spoke to me. I could hear God speaking when they said it. And I realized I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Maybe that's something simple like that. Maybe, maybe you were in a downtime and all of a sudden somebody came and spoke encouragement to you. And all you realized I have potential and purpose. There's a destiny for my life. Like I, was, I didn't have peace, but somebody came and spoke to me. And it was like, oh... God sees and He knows. And this, this comfort just washed over me. This peace came over to my life. That's what happens when we prophesy to people. And because it furthers the work of the Holy Spirit and speaks to our potential, you can even do it with people who don't believe. Come on. Maybe, maybe you've got a coworker that, that you're looking at him and you're like, man, you really, you, you just have a gift for encouraging people. Come on, how, how simple is that? There's this one lightning bolt moment, nothing went off, but I bet you in that moment that person felt encouraged. Man, 
you've, you've, you've really got a heart of compassion, Zach. You know, you see people in need and something just, you jump up and you want to help all the time. Do you know that you're prophesying to somebody when you say that? You're speaking purpose and destiny to them? You are saying something that God would say. Because to me, that really does sound like something that Jesus would say to that person. Man, hey, you, you have an amazing gift that God's placed on your life. Come on. It could, it could be as simple as God loves you and has a plan for your life. It doesn't sound like some orchestra playing music, but people are hearing the voice of God when you open your mouth. Pastor Chris, what if I don't get it right? What if it sounds just like that? <laughs> what, if, what if I'm talking and it sounds like, you know, and all the ducks start landing? <laughs> you know, I'm thinking I'm going to speak for God and it sounds like a duck call and everybody shows up. What if I don't get it right? It's okay. God knows. He, he knows our frailties and our weaknesses. I already said it. He, he chose us anyway to represent him to the world. And, and actually, to, to be very honest with you, if you meet somebody who says, I speak for God and I never get it wrong, run. <laughs> Go the other way. I'm, I'm telling you now, as, as your pastor, the protector of the flock and concerned about your welfare, if you meet somebody who says, I'm the voice of God and I'm infallible, I never get it wrong, go the other way. Any legit, honest prophet that functions in that gift today would be the first one to tell you, I don't get it right all the time. Because God's speaking through people. 1 Corinthians 13.9 says this, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. You're not God. You don't see the whole picture from the beginning to the end. You see what He says and speaks to you to see and to hear. People don't get it right for various reasons, 100% of the time. I'm, I'm not, that could be a whole other sermon of why people don't get it right. I will say this, though. I think the most common reason that people miss it is because we say more than what we actually heard from God. Yeah. I, I might be prompted to, to just give somebody a short little encouraging word, but then I feel like i got to explain it, and I'm going to add my two cents and tell you how God could use that and do this. Yeah. Just yeah. prophecies, just say what God said. Right. And, and then you can stop. Don't, you don't have to talk anymore. You don't, you don't have to add a whole bunch of stuff to it. Just say what God says to people. And for the average person in the church, if, if you feel like God is prompting you to say something to somebody, please, don't put on your deep voice and, and all of a sudden revert to old English King James speak. You know, sounding like you never sound in your normal everyday work life. You know, you don't, I, I might have a, some George, I felt like I'm supposed to go encourage George and say something to him. And then if I walk up to George and say, George, thus saith the Lord, you are supposed to empty your pockets and sow all your money into my ministry or whatever, whatever it may be, people get weirded out. Because that makes it spooky. That makes it not natural. Prophecy ought to be something that's the part of the course of our normal life. If, if you are a trumpet mouthpiece, don't try to sound like a tuba. Okay? Just do, through what God has given you, sound like that. And, and what I would say to you is if you feel like you have something from the Lord, or just, man, it's on my heart to go say this to that person. How about this? Man, Steve, I just felt like I was supposed to tell you. You really, you really have compassion for people. Doesn't that, how many of you have ever heard somebody say something like to you? Like, like that's not out of the ordinary. That, that is you releasing a word that God gave you in a very natural, this is the course of everyday life. 
If, if you're around Christians that have a grid for prophecy, you could say something like, hey, Steve, I really felt like God wanted me to tell you this. It doesn't make the word any less valid with whether you say God's telling me this to you. Because yeah. if I say God says this to you, that puts us in an awkward spot. Because now, you know, Steve could be wondering, is that guy going to try to manipulate me? Because he's telling me this is exactly what God said. What if Steve says, that's not what I heard from God. So now we're in a spot of either you're right and I'm wrong, or I'm right and you're wrong, or we said this morning we're both wrong. (laughs) You know, who knows where, where that lies somewhere. It takes the pressure off to just say it. Man, I really, I felt like this is what I heard. And then I'm just, I'm open-handed. I'm going to put that out there. If, if you feel like, man, that, that resonates with me. And, and I'm, I'm, enco- I'm encouraged and comforted and strengthened by that. Receive that as a word. But if it doesn't do that, for, just put it on the shelf and say, oh, well, maybe Steve missed it. Because we only prophesy in part and know in part. But we need, we need to take it out of this realm of the supernatural being spooky and mystical and everybody gets their deep God voice. Supernatural should be a part of our everyday life. And when we say what God says, it can be part of your regular conversation every single day. Yay and amen. Thus saith the Lord to you. The Holy Spirit's in you. If you are a believer, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You can say what God says. And I'm encouraging you, eagerly desire to prophesy and look for opportunities to say what God says. Because you know what? Someone will thank you. Someone who was going through a dark time and didn't understand or they felt weak, they're going to come back to you and say, man, thank you for saying that. You may not even realize what you said was so prophetic when you said it, but they're going to come back later and say, man, thank you for that. That really helped me when I was going through a hard time. And this is, this is one last thought that I wanted to share, especially because uh, Steve and Rita are coming next week. Uh, we can and should all exercise the gift of prophecy. We should desire to say what God says. But Scripture actually says that there are certain people that he puts in an office called prophet. That they are people that their primary gifting to the body of Christ is to prophesy and to speak what God says. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 it says it was he, speaking of Jesus, it says it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. This, this may be a little teachy this morning, but when we exercise our gift of prophecy and say what Jesus says, that, the Greek word for that is charisma or a charismata. It is a gift of the Spirit for all people to be able to speak what Jesus says. In Ephesians chapter 4, the word is doma. And it actually implies that the person that Jesus is sending is the gift to the church. And he puts them in that office to speak to the church. And it is not a hierarchy. It is, it is not Jesus saying, I'm giving these titles so they can you know, have their business cards and lord it over you at church. Apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers are called to serve the people of God, to serve the body of Christ, to equip the saints so that we can all be mature and begin to represent Jesus well to the world. That's what the gifts are called to do. But there are people that have the office of prophet. And it says that he put some. That's why I highlighted that word. He put some in the office of prophet, and some as pastors, and some as teachers. He didn't say, I put everybody in that office. 
Why? I don't know. Because I wasn't Jesus and didn't set it up that way, but he did. And when he sends prophets, they have the ability to speak into a group of people called the church. And I think what happens, the same thing that happens when we individually speak what God is saying to people, and they get encouraged, they get strengthened, they get comforted. I believe when God sends prophets to the church, that happens corporately. The body, the body of Christ at large, the church of New Life Fellowship gets strengthened and encouraged and comforted when we let people come and prophetically minister to us. That passage means that there are certain people that their job to the church is to prophesy. Certain people that their job is to evangelize. And that doesn't negate that we are all called to share the gospel and evangelize. But there are some people it's like you just look at and you're like, man, that is, he is an evangelist. That is the gift. That is the office that he's in. And if you think you might be one of those office gifts, you shouldn't have to tell anybody. Just, just start doing stuff and people will recognize it. I've never yet met a, a, a prophet or evangelist or somebody that I respected and, and thought, yes, they have that gift. I've never met them where they launched their ministry by saying, I got business cards printed. It says, Prophet Chris, there it is. That's, that's who I am to the body of Christ. The, the only legitimate ministry I've seen is people that just began to do it. And, pe- and other people recognize you have a calling and a gift from the Lord to do that office in the body. So... There's something corporately that happens when prophets come. And this is, this is actually what Jesus said that I wanted to stir us with this week. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 41, it says this, If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. What rewards did prophets get? Did you ever think about that? And know that the, the, the right answer is not cash money from their followers. Come on. The rewards that prophets got were the presence of God. They got to hear His voice. They got to be in on His plan. They got to know Him deeper and experience Him. That's the rewards that prophets got. And when you receive someone in the office of a prophet as a prophet, when you recognize that gift and say, man, they are a prophet to the body of Christ, do you know what you receive? The presence of God. The Word of the Lord. That you receive the same things that they get. And that's part of what I want to stir us this week as we're thinking about the meetings next weekend. Stir yourself with that. Man, we are going to receive Stephen Rita as prophets of God, ministry to this house that we want to hear, God, what you're saying to New Life Fellowship as a whole. And, and I've, known, I've known Stephen Rita personally for over 30 years. And, and every church, every time they've ever been here, every church I've ever seen them go to, when they leave, the church is strengthened. The, the people are encouraged. They feel like, man, we can, we can do this. You know, God's with us. There's something that happens when you receive the prophet in the name of a prophet. You get the reward. Man, I hear the voice of the Lord. I'm strengthened and encouraged. His presence is here. We can do it. So that's what we're going to do this week. Spend some time cultivating an expectation that we are going to hear. Not, not that you don't hear the voice of the Lord every week. I, I hope, I, I pray and trust that I'm standing up here being this. That, that every week you are hearing the voice of God. But next week when we receive Stephen Rita, I believe that God is going to speak something unique to us that's going to propel the church forward and strengthen and encourage us. So to end today, I, just, I was thinking about Stephen Rita this week. I couldn't help but thinking about their role in some of our story. And I wanted to share just a little bit about how did we get here. How, not, not here to this room this morning, but how did we get to where we are as New Life Fellowship? 
You know, that we have a place in the West End. We have a place in the suburbs in Bridgeville. What was part of that story? Because Steve and Rita had a, a very valuable part to us in playing that. Uh, if you've been around for a long time, you've probably heard some of the story. But if you haven't been around for a long time, you're going to get to hear it and be encouraged when you hear it. Uh, we've been a church since 1973. That's when New Life Fellowship was founded. So we've been at this over 40 plus years And I haven't been leading it the whole 40 plus years. I know I am getting older. I have less hair and it's all the stuff I have is gray now, but I haven't been pastoring the church. But the church has been in existence for 40 plus years. And we used to be in the suburbs in Carnegie and we moved. Yeah, mom, mom's been around for that's not I'm not going to say that. Mom, we mom's much younger than she looks. Mom, mom was like 10 when she came to the church. Stick with the story, Pastor Chris. Stick with the story. So, so we were in Carnegie, and in 1989, we moved here to Elliott. We moved to the west end of Pittsburgh through a series of miraculous circumstances that are indeed miraculous. I'm not going to tell that whole story, but we ended up in the west end. And we've been ministering to the community, building a name, representing Jesus to the people of Elliott and the west end. And in October of 2015, this is where I want to start the story, we had been praying, and I really felt like... Uh, I always pray and ask God, what do you want to say to the church for the coming year? What's the word we're going to look at? And I, and I had already prayed and I knew, hey, I feel like God's saying he wants the church to grow. That, that 2016 is going to be a year of growth. And, and you know, every pastor wants that, right? Has, has anybody met a pastor that they're actively praying for their church to dwindle and die? No. Okay. So every, every pastor wants their church to grow. So I, I kind of thought, okay, is God, is that really you saying that or is that just me? You know, because everybody wants to grow. And the more I prayed about it, the more I felt like God was saying, well, growth means change and work. I'm like, oh, okay. That, that sounds more like what you would tell us to do, God. So I knew that God had said we want, he wants the church to grow, that that was the word for 2016. And in October of 15, Steve and Rita were with us. And they've been coming to the church, like I said, for over 30 years. They never prophesied anything like this to us before. But Steve stood up on uh, Sunday and he said, hey, I see that the Lord wants to reproduce you. He's, he's going to plant at least three different places, three different campuses of New Life Fellowship that are going to facilitate your ministry to the city. And he said, one of those campuses I see is on a hill in the suburbs. And he said, and there are going to be people, there are going to be times when people whose churches are about to close their door are just going to give you their property. And I mean, he's all saying, we might play it next week if if we want to actually hear the audio. But he began to prophesy this stuff to us and say, you're going to grow, you're going to expand to other places, and it's going to help you with your heart for the needy and the broken to do what you want to do. Wow. God, that's amazing that you trust us that much. That was my first reaction, like, you know. But I, I thought, man, that's, that's awesome, God. We'll put it on the shelf. We'll pray about it. And, and later in October and then in February, I was in two different meetings where a prophetic person called me out and almost said verbatim what Steve and Rita had prophesied to us. They started talking about physical expansion and your footprint's going to expand. You're going to have other locations. And so after three times of hearing the same word, I may not be very fast on the uptake for certain things, but after three times of hearing this, I told our leaders, I said, you know, maybe we should pray about this and and ask God, what did he mean by that? And what's he speaking to us right now, especially since we knew God said this is a year of growth. And so, you know, we we met, we talked about it. We said, oh, well, 
We'll make a plan. You know, maybe this will be a year or two years down the road and we'll, we'll put a team together. Dylan volunteered. He says, I'll, I'll go price storefronts and see what it would cost to rent a storefront in the suburbs somewhere. And, and as we're having this conversation, two people from the Bridgeville church, the, the church that was meeting there before it was New Life, they show up here in the West End on a random Thursday when we're passing out clothes and, and doing ministry. And they said, can we talk to you? You know, our, our pastor has resigned and we don't want to close the church. We're wondering if you could come talk to us. If you could come talk to us about what the future looks like. And maybe we could just merge with you guys. And you could come have church in the suburbs. This wasn't, this wasn't our plan in the natural. This wasn't something we went and sought out. It really was. We took two little steps. Okay, God, you, you said we want to grow. You said you're going to do it. So we're going, to, we're going to start organizing ourselves and getting ourselves ready. And it was like just those two little steps. God brought it and poured it into our laps. I, I like to say re, reaping in a field where we did not sow. And I still don't know what it's all going to look like eventually. We're, we're still praying. We're still asking God, speak to us. Because we want to hear, we want to take another step, we, want to, we, want to, we don't want to say our plans and ideas, we want to say what you're saying at this hour and this season. But I do know he's doing it. And where, where it started, how we got to where we are now, was through our friend Steve and Rita being a mouthpiece and saying, here's what I feel like God's saying to your church right now. And two years later, here we are. Man, God is good. I don't, I don't know. Wouldn't it be amazing two or three years down the road to have somebody come back and talk to you and say, man, I was in a really hard time in my life, but you said something. You said something that, that changed the direction I was going. You said something that, that made me see things in a different light, that gave me a different perspective. All because we were willing to open our mouth and say what God says to people. Let's, let's stand together this morning. I want to pray for us. This, this might be a, a dangerous prayer for you to pray, but if you're willing to agree with me, we're going to pray that, that God shows us people this week that we need to be a mouthpiece to. God, we, we come before you right now. And Lord, we really are just overwhelmed with gratitude for what you've done in our lives. The, the preserving power that you've displayed in us. The things that you've brought us through and the place that you've brought us to. God, we ask that, that you would remind us of that. That you would let us be your mouthpiece. That you would cause us uh, to open our mouths. Lord, even... <laughs> Even starting all the way back with love being our motivation to do it. <laughs> Lord, we say that we love you and we want to open our mouths to say what you say to the world. God, and I ask for each of us to be aware. Even this week, God, I ask maybe it's somebody that we've sat next to in a cubicle for 10 years. Or it's somebody we've passed every morning on the way to work. Or, or we've waved at them in the grocery store a hundred times. But we've never really noticed and thought, man, I... I could say something that God says to them. God, I ask that you would highlight those people to us. And that you would stir us. That you would give us the boldness to take that step. Even, even if what we say sounds like a duck call in our ears. Lord, that you would give us the, the boldness to just say, Man, this is, what I, this is what I feel like I'm supposed to tell you this morning. And God, I thank you that... 
when we say what you say, it produces that something happens in people's lives, that they are strengthened, that they are encouraged, that they are comforted. Let that be the fruit of what we say, Lord God. And God, we, we also ask that as we go through this week, you would stir our expectations to hear from you next weekend, even as we have our friend Stephen Rita with us. Lord, let us come with an expectation that we are receiving prophetic ministry. We're receiving them in the name of a prophet and the rewards we will reap are hearing your voice and knowing you deeper and sensing your presence. Lord, bless them even as as they have a home in Florida and they're on their way here to be with us. Just watch over them and protect them. I just thank you that you're even already speaking to them uh, words that you want to release to New Life Fellowship that you want us to hear. And God, I, I just ask that we would be a place that's known for your voice being heard. That, that of all things that New Life Fellowship could be, that it, it wouldn't be about sounding our own message or, or our name getting it, but this would be a place where your voice is heard. Lord, I, I bless your people right now. I thank you that, that we don't have to figure it out in our own brain, but we rely on you, Holy Spirit, and you speak through us. Lord, bless us indeed as we go from this place. Let your goodness and your mercy be seen by everyone around us. Let your favor be upon the things that we say and do so that the name of Jesus will be glorified, so that the name of Jesus will be made famous in Pittsburgh through our lives. And we just say that we honor you and we glorify you right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I would say I would bet you a dollar, but I don't know if you're allowed to bet in church, but I would bet you a dollar that if you are willing to do this this week, if you say, Lord, I, I will open my mouth, I will be a mouthpiece for you, you will be amazed that you start to hear that he speaks to you. Oh, can we sing you're, you're good, you're good, you're always good one more time? Because I feel like that, even as we leave today, I just I want to remind you next Saturday night is here, 6 p.m., Sunday morning, we will not be here. We will be all together in Bridgeville because I didn't want to limit the Fidels on time and just let them do what they want to do. So make plans if you need a ride. Organize yourself this week to get there. But bring a friend. They'll be blessed by hearing the word of the Lord. But even as I said during worship this morning, I believe that is something prophetic that we, a message we get to declare and carry to the world this week is that you are good. You're good. You're always good. So we're just going to sing that on the way out this morning. You can sing it as long as you want, uh, but you are dismissed and free to go if you want to do that. Bless you guys. You are.